Need to quickly pull up everything I saw. I know I'm frantically. I, well, I in my mind, it all stuff to catch up on, but I really, I think I only have two things to talk about. Yeah, I feel like I streamed something, and I can't for the life of me. Yeah, think of what it was. Yeah, that's sinking feeling too. Let's see if there's a history or something because I can't remember it's what not, I did. <laughs> it's not a bad idea. I mean, you saw something huge, but we should. And you can certainly give us your thoughts, but we'll probably have a lot more to say next week. Yeah, I think that I'll I'll mostly save it. Very excited. I haven't been this excited for a Thursday night in a while. Oh my gosh. It's so good. (laughs) I don't know if there is a history in Amazon. I promise you that if you were accused of a crime, the prosecution would be able to find out what you watched the night before. Yeah. All right. I saw two things theatrically, and I also watched a uh, a Blu-ray in anticipation of one of the things, the least interesting thing. But um, I would love if you would talk a bit about Midsummer. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's so that one's been hanging over. We forgot to bring that up last time. I did catch up on Midsummer, and oh, what a what a strangely delightful movie. One that I avoided in the theater because I thought it would be too uncomfortable and and bleak. And certainly it's difficult and has those elements, but I was shocked at what a strangely entrancing and delightful movie it is. Right. It is to me, it is a lot um, more watchable than hereditary. I did enjoy hereditary, but it's less devastating than hereditary. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. It's um, it's twisted, but it's also like there's some really devastating things that happen in, in Hereditary, but the, the emotional life of the of the main characters, it didn't interact with my heart in the way that uh, it did in Midsummer, where I, I got almost, uh, almost immediately that it was about grief and that it was going to be about a cathartic experience of grief in, in this weird community. And I just went along for the ride and I found it to be a, a really fascinating experience. Yeah, it was one of my favorites from the summer for sure if not my favorite and uh florence pew she's uh pug pew i don't know how to pronounce her name but she's great she is great um and the guys they're all good everybody yeah. is yeah is very well cast enjoyable. movie yeah on a very superficial level it's a very traditional kind of horror movie where a bunch of mostly dumb kids wander into a strange environment uh where they're up against forces and traditions and things that they don't understand or appreciate and then they're kind of bumped off one by one but it's not like that uh there's a lot more going on and, and it's just pretty the, much all in the light too yeah yeah that must have been a conscious decision to just put everything right in broad beautiful daylight um i'm very there's a three-hour director's cut out there and that's not always a um a fascinating proposition but in this case i i would love to see a longer version of that movie all right so what else did you see Okay, so uh, I saw something great, but it's not new, and I saw something new that's not great. <laughs> so uh, I guess I'll get I'll get Zombieland two out of the way. Oh, I didn't see that yet. I am actually a pretty good fan of the original Zombieland from ten years ago. Ruben Fleischer was the director; he was new, I, and the writing team that went on to write the Deadpool movies, among other things. It just had a interesting at the time an innovative. Have you seen the original Zombieland? No. 
Okay, so it's uh, Jesse Eisenberg is kind of this nebbishy, um, kind of a little more cartoony version of his character from The Art of Self-Defense. Uh, this movie's not nearly as good as, as neither of these movies is nearly as good as that one. But he it's just about, you know, there's this typical zombie apocalypse trappings. But he's this kind of weird, anxious guy who has like the, these rules for survival that have worked for him. And then he meets up with some other strange characters. Woody Harrelson is this kind of badass cowboy who's just kind of compensating for uh, some loss and grief that he's hiding. And uh, Emma Stone uh, was in the first one is in the second one as well. And uh, what's her name? Little Miss Sunshine, uh, Abigail, Breslin. Abigail Breslin. Yeah. There are two sisters who are kind of con artists and they all, it's just these four characters that don't, you know, fit together making a go of it. And it was funny and it was, it was clever and it was different at the time. We were already oversaturated with zombie crap back then, but it, I, I like that movie. It's a solid little 90 minute comedy uh, with some clever filmmaking gags and things. Uh, and the new one is completely pointless. And I don't know why they made it and why they came back 10 years later to make a worse version of the original. Everybody loves old things happening again lately. I guess. But the zombie comedy is not like there's been so much of it since. Maybe they want to claim it and say, yeah, remember, we we did it and we did it well first. But boy, they did not show up to this outing prepared. Yeah, I don't know. Um, there's this Twitter person in the know who I follow who months ago intrigued me with this tweet that they had some knowledge that there was this major studio film that had two competing final cuts that were completely different and they couldn't decide which one to release, but hmm. they didn't say what movie it was and everyone was really hoping it was Cats. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, he has just revealed that it was Zombieland 2. Oh, interesting. That's so I, I don't know if that's true or not, but mm-hmm. that would be fascinating based on what you're saying if there was a quite alternative cut to find out right. what it was. That would be very interesting because I can't say that I thought – I didn't feel like, oh, this director's vision has been has been you know butchered and I'd love to see their – it just felt underbaked. It felt very phoned yeah. in and there's no real stakes. Like when you get to the every zombie movie, it's not a spoiler to say that they end up trapped in a compound and – the you know the new evolved zombies that can run faster are coming for them and uh they have to survive but it just felt toothless and phoned in and half-baked and i can't i can't imagine short of like reshooting it and trying harder what they could do to improve it but if there's an alternate version i'd be willing to give it a shot there's i'm I'm gonna get a little bit spoilery that um nobody dies like it's None of the main characters, they go through some relationship changes, but uh, there's a joke in the trailer. And again, this is where I get even more spoilery, but there's a joke in the trailer where they meet other characters who are just like them. That kind of Seinfeld joke of meeting characters that are kind of like Erzatz versions of the main characters that you know. And it's in it's Luke Wilson and Thomas Middleditch are like kind of weird off-brand clones of Woody Harrelson and Jesse Eisenberg. And those guys are introduced. It's obvious that their characters are just a one note joke and then they promptly are dispatched. So they die and then nobody else like even gets hurt. It's just and I they do this thing in the beginning of the movie where they introduce we've learned we've studied the zombies. We understand there are different types of zombies and you think that they're going to use all this stuff much like in the first movie that they're going to use these categories and these very specific uh, elements in this opening to do something with them and they never got back. They never go back to it. They never use it. It's just, it starts to feel like a sitcom. It starts to feel like a very uh, safe and dumb 
sitcom. Yeah, that doesn't sound that great. I was kind of thinking about going to it, but I don't. I haven't seen the original. I'd recommend if it sounds at all interesting. I'd recommend giving the first one a stream or something. Um, and then if you love it, you know, stream this one when it comes out. It's a little, it's more of the same. There's funny bits, but it's not. It's not great. It's not worth it. Definitely huh. not worth it in the movies. Well, I saw Lucy in the Sky. Oh, that's right. Did I mention that to you? You did. We talked about it briefly, but yes. To me, this is one that I, is like another Goldfinch. Like it looked fascinating and slick and awardsy, and then I heard the reviews, and it was like, "Ooh, boy!" It seemed like they were holding on to it and maybe changing it or something, because I feel like I was seeing previews for it way early, and it just wasn't being released. But you know, unfortunately for the movie, it was released, and we have this drama about Lucy portrayed by. Natalie Portman, who goes into space and she's just entranced by looking into the infinite, such that when she gets back to Earth, nothing else holds any meaning for her. She can't get back into a regular life. She has a husband who adores her and is ridiculously perfect, and they care for her niece. And she has a great relationship with, I guess, her grandmother. I would have thought it's her mother, but it's her grandmother. Parents seem to be out of the picture. Anyway, it's her struggling and her trying to find meaning. And then all of a sudden, like in the last 20 minutes of the movie, she is trying to drive overnight or over a couple of days or something to meet up with John Hamm at the airport because she had an affair with him and now she's been scorned and he's with someone else and she wants to confront him at the airport. And suddenly I'm recognizing actual events. Like, do you remember when that astronaut did that yeah, sure the diaper and like drove overnight and yeah diapers exactly and i'm thinking like oh is this based on these events you know is this her story and then it turns out it's not it's kind of inspired by the idea of an astronaut who gets upset and drives um and it's not like there needs to be diapers but that wasn't a plot point here and the person's name was um lisa nowak not lucy cola and so it isn't a pick of this person's life it's not a memoir just i guess the screenwriter heard about that happening and thought well maybe we can come up with some inspiration for why someone would have done something like this but it's not her story though Mm -hmm. and because of that i really hate that she's named lucy because had the actual astronaut been named Lucy, then the title is great. Right. But since you just, since you chose the name Lucy, all you did was take the line from that song. Sure. Yeah. Now this is directed by Noah Hawley. And I think he's, I think I said his name, right. I think he's the showrunner of the Fargo series. Is that correct? Oh, really? And I don't know. I'm clicking on him right now. To me, it looked like it had that kind of energy, the whimsical, like it was trying to do a movie thing with yeah, Fargo. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just, I was not feeling it. It wasn't very compelling and I'll lay back in the theater and pretty much subject myself to anything. If I have nothing going on, what is up with Natalie Portman and these unhinged roles lately, especially after Vox Lux. That's what this performance was reminding me of in the end was that terrible performance in Vox Lux. Did you see no, that? I haven't seen it yet you need to see that so that we can yeah. discuss okay. it because it's a disaster. Mm. Anyway, Lucy, uh, Lucy in the sky, not that great, okay. not terrible. Yeah. I was so intrigued by the teasers, um, but I, I just haven't seen a positive review of it. 
And like, I, I talk, I say that way too much on the show. Like I don't, I got to rely on my own interests more, but when there's a movie that's yeah. that prominent and then there's like a consensus of yikes, then that sometimes, sometimes it intrigues me, but other times it warns me off. I think that that's interesting. And you also learn like the, this premise is interesting and you learn about what some astronauts, I guess, really experience when they come back to earth, uh, different physical symptoms mm-hmm. that are mysteries, uh, ways that they feel that they actually do find it difficult to re-enter into life after having such a profound experience. I think that's an interesting thing to explore, but this isn't the movie to do it. Hmm. Too bad. What'd you stream? Uh, I don't think I streamed anything. I think I streamed some, oh, I thought you some said... shows. Uh, I did go to the movies one other time, and that oh, okay. was I admit, I... Uh, for the TCM 40th anniversary showing of Alien. Oh, that's kind of like streaming. Sure, yeah. It, it literally was streamed through the you know, Fathom Events right. servers, so yeah. So you did see something on stream? I guess I did. Your man's right, everybody. <laughs> Recorded on our Wikipedia page. I think I was thinking of myself because I streamed something, oh, but okay. you go ahead. Uh, I mean, what's to say about Alien? But I you know I've seen it many times before. Aliens, the sequel, the James Cameron one, was the first R-rated movie that I ever saw. Um, hmm. And then I, I also saw this quite young and was just terrified and devastated by it, but also intrigued found it to be beautiful uh i think i think it's a perfect movie which is you know a dumb thing to say but what i mean is there's lots of archaic looking shots and imperfections but uh the story is so tight and pure and the uh, you know the idea is so weird and simple and and it's just executed the the decision to understate things the way it's acted the kind of verite like you know just working joe people and muttering conversations and and the the way that the the spaceship looks lived in and, u- and used and the way the sound design it's just it holds up so well it's such a um it was a real treat to see it in the movies even though there was an old man snoring two rows behind me through the entire thing uh and and it was very strange instead of getting angry people were just delighted by it and laughing it was a very like weird group vibe going on in that theater but yeah what can i say it was it was fantastic um they do these things where they, you know, for, they do two, two or three night engagements for these movies on their anniversaries, like Ghostbusters, things that are huge. And uh, I forget about them. And then sometimes when I get to the theater, I see them and I, I'll, sw- I'll swap out a ticket really quick because I was going to see Gemini Man. And uh, I think this was a, a good Ooh, trade. I think so, too. Did you see how some screening, I think it was of Terminator or something, it, they, it was like, surprise, we're going to show you the new Terminator. Oh, no. So people had, you know, planned to see this classic film. And then when the film began, it was like that new reboot. And people on Twitter were like, well, I'd be mad. So they thought they were going to the original Terminator? I guess so. Yeah, that's not cool. Don't, don't do that. Right. They, it was like their big promotion yeah. was, oh, sneak preview. They're making a big deal out of think... the fact that um, what a tortured franchise Terminator is. You know, an interesting first one, a huge blockbuster hit of the two, and then it just goes passed around by directors and and actors and eras. And, but now they're making a big deal out of James Cameron's back, and uh, but that's uh, that would that would not that would rub me the wrong way. Yeah, it wasn't the most popular surprise. Also, I hate that trailer where they use that Bjork song, and they instead of making it whimsical and weird and funny, they make it serious and dark. I'm going hunting. It's very stupid. Yeah. And like these 
actors who are, you know, iconic in these roles, they just look yeah. old and tired. You know, not to be ageist, yeah. it's just what happens in life. And I think, oh, is this really the reboot that is called yeah. for? It's weird. It's very strange how celebrity and star power figures into and, and really overpowers storytelling. I This is a little bit of a tangent, but I have in front of me a stack of, I bought as cheap as I could find them, all of the Halloween movies, John Carpenter's Halloween series with Jamie Lee Curtis, uh, because there's a podcast um with some hosts that I like last year, they went through all the Friday the 13th movies and now they're going through all the Halloween movies and it's just a fun thing to do a deep dive on these movies. But I was, I watched the first one, which is a pretty solid cheapo uh, horror movie. And I was just thinking in the, in the, in the world of the movie in the world of the first Halloween, Jamie Lee Curtis is an arbitrary girl. She wasn't a famous person yet. It's one of her early roles. Maybe her first, Mm -hmm. it says introducing, I think in the credits, and she just happens to go to this house and drop off a thing and she becomes um, the, you know, the intended victim of Michael Myers. And then I'm just thinking how that's, you know, it's a, it's a simple little tight movie, but now there's this whole franchise and she has to keep coming back and she's now filming back to back two more sequels to get to the end of the, of the saga. And it's like that took over the entire, you know, I love Jamie Lee Curtis. She's fantastic, but it's just so weird that because she became iconic in a role, they then will develop and configure this entire franchise around her and the killer and the storytelling and all that stuff just kind of becomes secondary to making sure that she has a vehicle in every one of these movies. And that's a very strange thing that we do. The oddity, the absurdity of that struck me. Yeah. I've not thought about that before, but you're, you're right. (laughs) Anyway. So that's me. Uh, um, so I, you inspired me by talking about Zombieland to help me remember that I streamed Little Monsters on Hulu. Oh, have you seen have that not, yet? No. No, wait. In my okay. mind, that I'm thinking of, is this an old 80s movie? With, no, no, this, this is, is a new, new movie. With okay. Lupita Nyong'o. With who? Yeah, with Lupita Nyong'o. Oh, that's right. Oh, that's right. The zombie movie with, yeah. Right. So I couldn't believe that it was just sort of released without much hubbub or fanfare because when I had originally seen an ad for this, I figured this is like a full theatrical release film, and it is not. It is just a Hulu original that besides Lupita Nyong'o in the starring role would otherwise be completely an unremarkable movie by an un, you know with an unknown actress mm-hmm. in the lead if, if it would be usually what Hulu does. So it's a real get to have Nyango in the lead because she's just radiant in anything she yes. does. It's a very simple rehashed story where this group of elementary kids are at a field trip. She's their teacher. And this guy who's a complete loser, who's uncle to one of the kids through a series of events, ends up chaperoning the trip. And in the middle of this zoo park, there's like an infection of zombiness. And so the only people not affected are the teacher and the chaperone and the kids, and they have to escape the zombies. The military is trying to bomb the park. And that of course threatens the group of people that we're following. And um, Josh Gad is in this as a children's television performer who is at the zoo that day to perform. And he's a jerk, of course, as all children's performers are. And they all work together and, not surprising, find their way out of the park and the kids are safe and the zombies are contained and or killed. 
And it's not a bad way to spend 90 minutes, but there is nothing special about Little huh. Monsters. Yeah, I, you know, again, we're talking about the way celebrity works into things in marketing. I saw that that Nyong'o was involved and I just assumed, oh, there's got to be something special about this because they got her and she's in it. And I didn't think in the same year as right. us, she would need to be in a generic zombie movie. That's kind of how I felt too, is like how many like... Uh, pseudo horror movies is she going to appear in but i guess she knew what i didn't which was that this was a nothing project (laughs) that she just decided to Hmm. be in interesting i mean when you dig around and look at the credits and things sometimes you find out oh this guy you know the director produced a thing she was in or is an old friend from theater or whatever and lots of reasons that people do stuff but oh all right so you're saying it is worth it yeah it's worth a stream i'll uh i'll let you do that research thank you or to figure out why she would do that. Um, and then the other thing I saw, of course, is Parasite, mm. which I was so excited one. about. I know. So it is not really even released in Seattle yet. Certainly not at like AMC Regal grade theaters. And so it is going to be doing a run at our art house beginning next weekend. But this past Saturday night, they had a one showing preview that I got tickets to early. And the show, yeah, and the show is at 9.30. They had another other movie finishing up, and so they didn't even open the house until 9.15. And I don't know if they didn't, I mean, they must have anticipated a huge turnout, and of course it was. Line around the block for ticket holders, line around two blocks for standby. Mm -hmm. It took about 45 minutes to get everybody into the theater and (laughs) popcorned and peed and ready to go started a half hour late but it was so good i don't of course want to talk too much about it or spoil it before you have a chance to see it just it's just wildly inventive and it makes me feel like stories are so not creative what is it to have like a great intriguing story and to film it in such an effective way the screenplay is great the cast is great visuals are wonderful it has something to say Mm. And it just keeps on getting bigger and louder and crazier. And this it's just dynamite. It is such a good wow. movie. I'm so excited. Uh, uh, I haven't even pushed play on a trailer. I'm, I'm completely blind. So oh, that, as you uh, should be, that's I've seen one promotional still that keeps popping up on Twitter, but I haven't seen anything else. Yeah. I, I mean, I feel like it's the obvious international film winner. It'll be best picture nominee. I think international films have a hard time winning best picture um, because they've got another category and that's, and it probably lacks the warmth and feel goodiness that best picture winners tend to have. Um, but I, I think it'll be a major part of this year's conversation. Uh, do you have a history with the director's other work? I don't, but now I'm about to because I want to see everything yeah. else he's done. Uh, I've mixed feelings about his stuff. It's inc- it's all very inventive. He's a very uh, you know he's very bold. Uh, Snowpiercer uh, is one that I enjoyed very much. Um, Okja is the one on Netflix that I actually have not seen. But I, didn't you watch Okja? Did we talk about that a while ago? Okay, no. Mm-hmm. Uh, and an older one called The Host that I that I enjoyed very much. Yeah, I need to maybe watch through some of. Uh his movies because this is so good and um i was reading about the uh production design that there's there's one big um place where the whole where most of them not most of the movie but a lot of the movie Mm -hmm. takes place 
and it was built for the movie, which for some reason made it all the more impressive to me. Wow. All right. Well, we will pick this up again uh, next week when I have seen it. I'm so excited that uh, I'm going to get a chance. I felt like I've missed a lot of things. I wanted to see the Nightingale so bad. Uh, but now things are starting to pick up. I've got this and then I've got the Lighthouse next week, which. Uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to Lighthouse and Netflix is about to release a whole yeah. bunch of its stuff, right? Like they've got a ton of movies right. in the race this year. What Marriage yeah, Story yeah, and yeah. Irishman, uh, Two Popes. <laughs> um, Laundromat has dropped, which I haven't seen yet, but I, I'm mm-hmm. looking forward to seeing it. Then people aren't yeah. excited about it. Yeah. Good. Hey, good movie season. Let's do it. Yeah. All right, Dan, anything else to um, to lay upon the table? I don't think so. I think that's all I have yeah. all right. to offer. I think that's going to do it for me. I, I have a ticket for Judy again on Wednesday. We'll see if it has my third <laughs> attempt, I think. So we'll see if that happens. But then Thursday night is the main event. I'm very excited. And I think for nice. next week, Dan, here comes, here comes a big old uh, safe softball. Okay. Uh, I want to watch Quiz Show. I want to follow up on Quiz Show. It's been a long okay. time. Yeah, I've thought about Quiz yeah. Show before. Uh, not on disc, so I'm going to have to find a way to stream it. For some reason, that movie never got a good home video release. Mm-hmm. I mean, it had a DVD long ago, but all right. Um, I guess that's going to be our show. We'll be back next week with uh, more reviews and uh, we'll dive into uh, Quiz Show. Thanks for listening. We are Dan and Josh. You can follow both of us on Twitter and Letterboxd. The show is at Holds Up Pod on Twitter. Our music is by Jonah Rapino. And we'll talk to you next time. Goodbye. Uh, I don't think we had any witty banter outside of the structure of the show to make it uh, a uh, tag. Oh, did you notice that last week I... Um, did you happen to notice that I re-recorded part of one of my sentences last week? No. I got da- Danny McBride's name wrong talking about the oh. Righteous Gemstones. I said Doug McBride, and I re-recorded oh. it. I'm glad it wasn't detectable. No, I didn't notice. <laughs> Good. Dirty McBride. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was trying to think of a Simpsons reference to plug in there, but there's probably right. like half a dozen <laughs> to pick from.